2: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast, presented by Jersey Mike's Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com order now.
3: You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill. Got some special guests tonight leading into 2018-2019 basketball season. Bi-Week Football brings you a basketball podcast. I've got Rob Harrington, got Sherelle McMillan, I've got Greg Barnes, and me, Tommy Ashley here, to do a sort of recruiting slash basketball preview. Carolina season officially kicks off, I guess, maybe with the uh, first uh, press conference next Tuesday. Coach Williams will talk to the media about the upcoming season. I'm going to start this off by going to Sherelle. And Sherelle, we're recording this Thursday night. And early Thursday, Carolina got some recruiting news, or the Carolina fan base got some recruiting news that, um, judging from the message boards, it had a lot of people worrying, freaking out, jumping off the ship. Uh, Your take on Josh Green to Arizona, Sherelle?
1: Uh, I think it's, there's a legitimate concern because uh, also we found out today that Wendell Moore is going to make his college announcement on Monday and um, he's not expected to pick North Carolina. So those are their two, two of their top three wing targets in the class. And if you look at the roster, Cameron Johnson will be gone after this season. Kenny Williams will be gone after this season. And there's a high probability that Nasir Little will be as well. So uh, North Carolina has playing time and, uh, space on the wing and yet they've an out on two of their uh, three top targets in the class who had wing offers and uh, I think that's where some of the frustration comes from additionally Green has uh, said multiple times that North Carolina was his dream school and the dream school stuff sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't for UNC and this time it didn't
3: So is it cause for concern for North Carolina at this point? I mean I know the message boards are not the best for folks of sanity they're great to uh when it's going good but when things go bad folks tend to panic it any reason at this point for north carolina coach williams and the staff to panic or do you feel confident that at some point before uh, those guys are gone that north carolina will have um, somebody to man that position for north carolina
1: well, you know, the solution could already be on the roster. We'll we'll talk about him later on. But uh, Rayshon Leakey Black, um, you know, a six eight guard slash forward, who uh, Coach Williams said over the summer could play, you know, up to four positions. So it could be a case where North Carolina will continue. Uh, Keon Brooks is another small forward who's coming for an official visit in November. And if North Carolina isn't able to get him, it could be a situation where they say, okay, Brandon Robinson, time to step up as a senior leaky black time to step up as a sophomore and they let them have the position uh and they you know look elsewhere especially with uh combo guards uh they got boogie Ellis coming in uh next week for an official visit so it could be a situation where they kind of change the roster just a little bit play more multiple guards type uh situation or they just look to the current roster for the solution i would i agree with that too i think it's The need, to me, is more
0: for a perimeter player. I think a lot of people have fixated on a true wing. I don't think they necessarily need a true wing. I do think they need a perimeter player. Hypothetically, if they were to get Cole Anthony, and the additional hypothetical is if Kobe White were to stay for two years, I think they would be absolutely fine. I think if one of those things happens, they'll be okay, because, as Sherelle mentioned, I think Leaky Black as a sophomore can have the type of sophomore year that Matt Doherty had a long time ago. And that may not be helpful for some of our younger listeners, but Matt Doherty was a sophomore starter on a national title team. And, and as long as he's surrounded by Leaky, in this case would be surrounded by appropriate firepower and he understood his role. I don't think that would be a massive problem. Certainly. I think the the more frustrating thing goes beyond the, actual need and more into the spiritual need because we've spent so much time talking about the struggles with elites and this class seemed like maybe this would be this, the back-to-back class with little and white last year and all of that stuff would be behind them because the NCAA went away and now it looks like some of the old issues are still in existence and so I think there's a demoralization among the fans that, that outweighs the actual harm that the team has suffered so far
3: it's interesting. You mentioned those times. I mean, there was a a while there where we didn't even have discussions about elite guys having Carolina in their top two or three, or and certainly not um, in the top two. Rob, that in itself has been a big change going into this year. I mean, you know, absolutely like that, and I- Yeah, a guy like that picks another school. Everybody's upset about it, but it wasn't two years ago three years ago that guys like that didn't even consider north carolina that's a big change
0: and that's something that roy williams had flagged as a as a sort of red flag to him initially was that the guys they typically had signed no longer were were even willing to visit campus officially you have this great free weekend they wouldn't even do that so in that sense this class has been different of course moral victories are not going to please anyone including coach williams I do think that represents some progress but to me that always was more of more of a distant symptom of the the underlying issue which was that they just weren't resonating with some of the the blue chip guys. I think there's there's still a lot remaining to this story especially because if Nasir Little can have the type of year that we and everyone else essentially have predicted for him, I think he alone can help turn that stereotype that's gone against them in their favor. And Kobe White could as well. I mean, we should mention, I mean, you should pick up this point. And Greg, you too, if you've heard anything about this. But from what you guys have reported in practices and you saw in the Bahamas, it sounds to me like White has played every bit as well as little and maybe even a little better.
1: Yeah, I I, I definitely think so. I mean, that's the word. Greg was down in the Bahamas watching it. And I remember uh, (laughs) in our our, uh, Slack, we have like a kind of a group chat. And Greg was like, Kobe White is the real deal. And I think that's been, to me, that's been the biggest storyline of the summer, was that it went from in, I guess, April or May, who's going to play point guard in North Carolina, what are they going to do, to wow, Kobe White is really good, to wow, Kobe White might start, to wow, is Kobe White going to be here as a sophomore? And even though he hasn't played a game yet, that's just kind of, and that's not the impression of, you know, people who we wouldn't consider trustworthy, that's the opinion of people who really know their stuff.
2: Yeah, just just watching the guys come through over the years. I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to care, to cover a lot of very good freshman point guards, ranging from you know back to you know, Lawson days to uh, Kendall Marshall, uh, Marcus Page, Joel Berry, and all those guys. For the most part, maybe Lawson's excluded, uh, but you've got that that tentative streak as a freshman. You're trying to fill your way through what Roy Williams wants you to do. Uh, and there's a, a gradual process there. And what really stood out to me about, about Kobe down in the Bahamas is he didn't seem to have that. I mean, he, he was going at people as soon as he got in the game. Uh, we know he's got the, the scoring ability. He's got good size. He's, he's not, you know, he, he can put on some weight, but he's not thin by any stretch. He looks like a guy that can step on the court and play right now. But really just the aggressiveness, that a- attacking mentality – both in transition and you know, after made baskets. Uh, you know, everybody remembers how Lawson was known for you know, getting the ball after made basket and, and running down your neck uh, on the other end. Well, Kobe you know, showed that, hey, maybe maybe he's the guy that likes to do that. So, so yeah, yeah like, like Sherelle said, we had all these questions in the offseason, and that they still have to be answered. Uh, but for me, anyway, when, when I saw what Kobe was able to do, Combined with, you know, Seventh looks a lot better too. I think we have to say that. Now you're talking, okay, maybe there's a legitimate pairing here where North Carolina's not got that kind of issue that we thought. That, I'll add this about the recruiting aspect. It's not, it's not my area of expertise by any stretch. But I've seen so much hand wringing over the years about what's Carolina going to do? How in the world are they going to put together a team that can compete with Duke and Kentucky and whoever else? And yet Roy finds a way. Uh, And so I think the fact now, Tommy, your, your point is valid that now that Roy is actually back in the, uh, the living rooms with some of these elite guys, he's going to land enough of them to be able to be competitive and and to be able to compete at at the highest level. Uh, And I I don't think there's a whole lot of need for people to stress out, even though I know fans do that better than, than anybody.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, Greg. Like, does it really matter? I mean, I know we, it's, it's kind of an existential like, question we keep asking ourselves over and over again. Like, North Carolina is struggling with elites. North Carolina can't get, you know, they've only had two top 10 guys since 2014, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, Greg has been at the Final Four two of the last three years and covered a number one seed twice and a number two seed once. So, I mean, it's important, but in the end, you know, it seems like as long as Roy Williams is there, they'll be competitive and you know, they'll they'll compete for championships. So it matters, but then again, I don't know that it really does.
3: That's what's interesting to me is watching the hand wringing about the recruiting is um do you want a five star uh number one guy at his position guy or do you want a, a guy like Joel Berry? Or do you do you want to find a guy uh like a Theo Penson that was huge for that team, you know that and, and that's why I can't understand the recruiting aspect. I know people love it, and you guys are awesome at it, but when kids go elsewhere, and Rob, I'll ask you this point, when kids go elsewhere, it's like the balloon bursts and, and and folks just lose their minds, and all these guys go to Duke or they go to Arizona, which I can't understand why folks going to Arizona. I understand why Green did, but um maybe. But don't they see – you know, that's the one thing I've always thought of watching inside Carolina message boards. I mean, there's a season coming up, and folks are already pulling their hair out because of some recruit went somewhere else um, on October 3rd or 4th when North Carolina's highly ranked going into a new season. Rob, isn't that kind of the – I don't know exactly the word to use for it. Just the – it's weird to me that folks worry so much about the future, when the present and this season's right in front of us.
0: I would say this. I, I will defend the fans on this one because some of these recruitments, it's not like they pick up over the course of three or four months. Now the green one was different, but for example, Shrell and I in the fall of 2015 went to watch Wendell Moore play <laughs> in the fall of 2015, and that recruitment still has not resolved. It's about to so to the extent that people get more invested in it than it seems like they ought to I, I think that to me it's just a natural byproduct it's someone you know that well you follow the visits you follow them at events some some of the readers go to events and watch them in person if not they follow it very closely so i don't i don't think that is strange to me just based on the amount of time and and especially the way that Roy Williams recruits. Now, the, the next coach may do things differently, but because he makes such a big deal out of the relationship, I think that kind of rubs off on the fans by osmosis. And in a way, I think it's fun because when they get a hit, you know, everyone's so excited. Uh, it, it It's just, it seems like there have been more misses of the elites. I mean, there have been. than there have been hits over the past five years. But as you mentioned, I mean, to your point, Tommy, that it hasn't really shown up on the court It's just this other sport unto itself sometimes that can overshadow a little bit.
2: Well, you can always sell the future, regardless of what uh, sport you're in, regardless of what facet of life you're in, the future will sell. But I I think it's important for, for fans to understand, there's really three components here, right? And the one they get wrapped up on is, who's signing these top five guys? Who can sell the best of anybody? to get these guys on campus. And that's part of it. I mean, Roy's had his plenty of successes, like Rob says, but there's also the evaluation aspect of it. And we talk about this a lot on the football side of things. It's okay. If a guy's not top 25, I mean, what was Marcus page coming out of high school? I know he's top 50, but was he top 25 borderline?
0: He slipped some at the end to about the high thirties.
2: Okay. But because Roy is able to evaluate talent he had a pretty good idea of what Marcus was going to be able to do. Now, did he know Marcus was going to end up being All-America his sophomore year? Probably not. But then the other component, too, the third part is development. And as much as we want to talk about Coach K and signing all these elite guys over the last couple years, I think to some extent that has hurt what he can do because, like him or not, he's a great developer of talent. Some of his best teams dating back to the 80s were loaded with upperclassmen, that he had several years to work with. I mean, what did we see last year? They went zone. How often have you ever seen Coach go zone? Rarely. And the reason why is he did not have enough time with those kids to teach them to play man defense the way he demands it. So he had to throw up his hands and say, look, I'm only going to have these guys for a year anyway. I've got to switch up what I want to do to be able to play these guys. But like you said, Tommy, when you got a guy like Theo Pinson, I think Justin Jackson's another one. You get these talented guys, and you keep them for a couple of years, and now they become experienced talent guys. Like Roy always says, it's good to have experience, it's good to have talent, but what you want most of anything is experienced talent. That's where things can really pay off for you. That's why this team I think is very unique, getting back to this particular year, is because you have a wealth of experience with Luke and Cameron and Kenny, but you also have some incredible talent in that freshman class.
3: I want to move along, but first I need to tell you guys about a New Jersey Mike's store that's opening south of Chapel Hill in Chatham County. Wednesday, October 10th, the grand opening for a New Jersey Mike's store in Chatham Crossing and the Lowe's Food Shopping Center. Not far from the heart of Chapel Hill, right down 15501, right on the way for anyone coming to Chapel Hill from Laurenburg, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, Sanford, or Pittsburgh. And remember, all fall, Jersey Mike's Subs of Chapel Hill has partnered with Inside Carolina to offer a great deal for our IC Podcast listeners. All you need to know is the code HEALS15. Get 15% off your order. It's online only, but here's how it works. Go to jerseymikes.com front slash order. It'll show the locations nearest you. Click on one of those four in Chapel Hill area stores Click your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter, enter Hills 15 and get 15% off that whole order. Skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of those four Chapel Hill and Hillsborough locations, and now the one in Chatham County on October 10th. It's super easy process. Hills 15, three locations in Chapel Hill. Right off exit 261, all the Chapel Hill locations are right off I-40 and super convenient, and now Jersey Mike's is in Ke- inside Keenan Stadium and with the tailgate guys this fall. So support the IC Podcast and get 15% off your Jersey Mike's order. It's a win-win. Let me spin it to this current season, and we'll stick with the freshman class. And Greg, I'm going to start with you, and then I want to hear Robin and Shirell's thoughts on it as well. Here's my one concern with Kobe white as the starting point guard for North Carolina. Can he handle the basketball well enough to do what Roy Williams wants him to do? And Greg, I'll start with you on it. You saw him, I guess down in the Bahamas uh, competition, not good, but there were signs there. Um, your thoughts there. Cause that is the, that's the one thing. Can he deal with having a top flight defender on him? Can he be effective when it comes to that at some point in the season and Carolina's schedule is brutal for lack of a better term, it's probably tougher out of conference than it is in conference. And that's saying a lot, but your thoughts on that, just that pure aspect of Kobe white's point guard potential at North Carolina.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll say first in the Caribbean, the second game, the talent was garbage. It was like me and four of my buddies trying to play Carolina, but <laughs> the first game, there was some good talent on that team. Um, you know, not ACC caliber, but you know, maybe a team like UNC will play in the, uh, in the non-conference slate. Not some of those elite teams like you're talking about, Tommy. Uh, yeah, I think Kobe has plenty of good handle. I think the interesting thing um, is that what Roy Williams has really always seemed to do is when he's got a freshman that he's wanting to play point guard, he'll play him specifically at point guard so he doesn't have to worry about playing the one and then also the the two position. Yeah, you know, he did it uh, with Marcus Page. He did it you know, with Page and, and Joel Berry. Uh, did a little bit with Seventh Woods. So I think that's that's the point to uh, kind of pay attention to is what you saw in the, the Bahamas and probably what Roy really would like to do is be able to play seventh, maybe at the one uh, and allow Kobe to play the two. But that kind of goes against you know that approach that he's tried before, where he tries to you know, keep that point guard strictly at the one. And so how he adjusts uh, that that approach is going to be something interesting. But then the other thing, as you mentioned, you, it's going to be a brutal slate early. I mean, a lot of really good teams in the first month of the season. So he's going to have to prove that he can do it. And you, Roy always builds as the season goes along. We all know this. Uh, And so I think the schedule really sets up where you throw Kobe into the fire early, and then he's going to have a little bit of time, not much, but a little bit of time there in December in between some of the big games between Zaga and and Kentucky, where maybe he can dial it back some and and get a little bit of a breather against competition not quite as good before you get into a C play, which is, of course, when you need him to be be at his best and have his confidence operating at a high level.
3: Shirel, your thoughts on his handle? I mean, I just—if uh, I'm looking at it, that would be my biggest concern when I'm thinking about Kobe White and point guard for North Carolina.
1: I think whatever issues there may be with his handle, I, I think it's—I think it'll be fine. Um, I think his scoring ability, his aggressiveness, his overall acumen make up for um, that. The his ceiling is so high that you can afford—you know—again, I'm not saying his ball handling is bad, but you can afford uh, maybe that his ball handling isn't as good as his three-point shooting or his free-throw shooting, Um, you can handle that because there's so many other things that he does well. And the way he plays is going to make it easier for everybody else on the team, frankly, because he is going to push tempo. I mean, if you look at the tempo stats over the last couple of years, North Carolina just hasn't played as fast as I think Roy Williams wants to or as they have in the past. I think Kobe with Nasir in there, with Kenny, I think they're going to really, really push tempo. Luke May making outlet passes. I think you'll see them play a lot faster this year, and Kobe can really, you know, he's the engine. He, he's driving it. I think he's going to push it as hard as he can, and um, just having that will make up for any deficiencies he might have handling the ball or anything else. Yeah,
2: I think I, I'll bigger... add to that
0: too, Tommy. That if, it, if if just as a very crude comparison, it will be bittersweet probably for fans to hear this, but if you were to take Marquise Williams as a red shirt freshman in his development and make him more talented. I think that's about how Kobe will be this year in the sense that he's, he has a lot of that same toughness and leadership quality. I really see a lot of, of tremendous leadership capacity in Kobe in the same way that Marquise had that same thing, but you know, giving him the next year to develop as a quarterback. But I think Kobe will sort of show you the same thing along with, uh, maybe some over-aggressive play driving, probably throwing some missiles into the stands as a passer. He's going to do those kinds of things. I don't think it's a physical tool issue. I guess that's my primary point. It's just more of a decision, decision-making decision thing and sort of the points that Greg touched on. I think he's going to be so much fun to watch. I think the fans will warm to him immediately because people. it's one thing to read about it. It's one thing for us to talk about it. It's another thing to see it. And I think he, he will become a fan
3: favorite immediately. You can follow there, Greg. I know you started to come in. I mean, yeah, you know, I get the playing fast, and I guess I'm just playing devil's advocate to try to pick some uh, negative about the kid and maybe knock off some of the expectations. But it's one thing to play f- play fast, but as Rob you mentioned, and Greg, you can comment on if he's throwing it all over the court or all over the stands. That's that's a problem for North Carolina's offense. Worry Williams is not going to like that. But what I what I think I'm hearing and what uh, I've heard elsewhere is that they'll live with that, given what he brings positively uh, to this team. Greg, your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, Rob took what I, I was going to say and, and said it a lot better than than I could possibly say it. So uh, I think he's spot on with the fact that I think the the bigger the biggest concern is is, is the. Um, inconsistent play. I, mean, I think Kobe's going to be trying to thread some passes where they don't need to go. He's going to be trying maybe some pass-aheads that aren't quite there that you can get away with, You know, maybe at high school or the AAU level. Uh, and that's part of the process. And you know, Roy has said, uh, you know, he understands that at his pace, there are going to be some turnovers. You want to limit them as much as you can. Uh, but I think when you have a, a talent like Kobe, you kind of roll the dice, because I think the alternative is what you have to look at. And the alternative is 7th Woods. Um, and I think the good thing about 7th is that he appears to finally be healthy. And, of course, he has that highlight real dunk and, and falls and hurts his back, but uh, nothing, nothing serious, just a little bit sore when he woke up that next morning. Uh, but what 7th gives you uh, is, is physical play. He's got a little bit of a veteran in him now. He's been around a couple of years. Uh, but I think he can be a good defender you would think that he's got a pretty good handle on the offense. So those are some some good veteran qualities that you like to have. And Roy, we know how he is with defense. He, he really likes his guards to, to defend. Um, but is that going to be enough for him to stay in the, the starting position? You know, Let's say he starts first five games or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I think with, with Kobe's talent base, his skill set, it's going to be very difficult for Seventh to keep him off the floor. And so then it becomes a matter of, okay, do we take this scoring power that, that Kobe brings? Maybe not as good of a defender. Uh, you know, maybe a little erratic in some of his turnovers. Or do you take the safer option in seventh, who does not have that scoring potential? And you know, I think for all of us, the answer is pretty clear. And I think it probably will be for Roy, even though Roy knows he's got to depend on seventh some throughout the course of the season. And so I think I think all those things kind of point towards Kobe being the guy probably immediately, but but if not immediately, sooner rather than later.
3: Rob, how does Roy Williams massage the Seventh Woods deal? I mean, he's a, uh, an upperclassman at this point, and we're sitting here talking, uh, haven't even mentioned him, and I think that's a lot of the fan base is thinking the same thing. So how does Roy Williams sort of massage that situation? Because like Greg said, he's going to be needed. You know, I remember a guy like, if my memory serves, Melvin Scott hit some awfully big foul shots in the 2005 championship run, maybe in that tournament there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this happened in the past as well, where guys that were sort of forgotten ended up making huge plays. Um, so Roy Wim's task with, with dealing with seventh and, and sort of um, I, best term I can use is massaging it into a you know a positive for the team. It's a great question. I think we
0: had this exact discussion even a year ago uh, in connection to Jalik Felton. Of course, that turned out to be a non-issue. But yes, it's definitely delicate. I think at this point, you don't—at least I haven't observed Roy Williams criticizing Seventh the Way he did a couple of years ago. Sort of the the joking thing he would do with Bryce Johnson and the other guys in the past. He pushed kind of hard. I think he's gone a little softer on him. And I think probably that, at this point they're just trying to build him up as much as they can. I have a very difficult time, despite the experience gap, of Madison beating out Kobe White. I will. i would like for uh, Sherelle and Greg to correct me if, if they disagree. But I just have a very hard time seeing anyone but Kobe win the job. So then as you mentioned, can 7th become a Melvin or Quentin Thomas or someone like that? Will he accept that? I think that he can do it it's just a question of whether he is e- e- eager to embrace that kind of identity you know so far from the way he was heralded 4 or 5 years ago
1: I think you, one thing we can't forget either is that North Carolina was in the same situation last year because Joel Berry, you know, unfortunately got mad at a video game and was out for the season opener. And it wasn't Seventh Woods who came out with the starting lineup last year, it was Jalik Felton in his first college game starting at point guard. So, Roy Williams has already shown us kind of, you know, where he's at with, I don't I mean, I don't mean to laugh there, but he's kind of shown us where he's at with Seventh and that. If there's somebody he feels is is better, he has no problem starting them ahead. And Lord knows Kobe is a very different person and player than Jalik was as far as work ethic and listening and all those things that Williams truly cares about. So I would not be shocked at all if Kobe, you know, starts the season at point guard and carries it through for the whole season.
3: Okay, let's bank away from Kobe White. But first, let me talk about HeelsTravel.com. I've talked about this a lot on this podcast uh, in recent months. It's a great deal for North Carolina fans to get to see the Heels play somewhere away from Chapel Hill. It's the easiest way to get there. Right now heelstravel.com is offering packages to Las Vegas for 3 nights and 2 games. Excuse me, 3 nights and 2 games, and then for 2 nights in Chicago for UNC in Kentucky and for hotel accommodations at ACC tournament in Charlotte. Visit heelstravel.com now. Call 336 855 0060 to book. The trip to Vegas, in course, includes round trip airfare from RDU, round trip transportation from the airport to the hotel, and three nights at the Aria Casino and Resort. And the trip to Chicago, get this, two of the best teams in the country squaring off on December 22nd. It's going to be a great time. So visit heelstravel.com now. Or call 336 855 0060 to book your trip. So let's switch over to uh, Nasir Little. And Greg, I'll start with you. You saw him uh, live and in person in Bahamas. I'll use your terms. The second team was garbage, the first team had some talent. This guy probably has as much expectations, even though I think Kobe White, the Kobe White talk um, over the last since the Bahamas maybe has sort of taken off some of the expectations talk about little, but uh, this is another guy that the fan base, uh, the coaching staff, everybody expects to be huge for North Carolina. Uh, just speak to what you saw and, and what you've heard leading into this season. That's right around the corner.
2: Well, what, what stood out most to me about Nasir is in watching him play. I mean, his stat line wasn't that impressive. Um, but yet, you still felt his presence because he made some impact plays, and you could see his athleticism. You could see his skill set. Um, he, he he's built like a tank. That does not look like a you know a true freshman. Um, so that's not going to be an issue. The physical part. He does have the skill set. He's long. Uh, showed a willingness to play some defense. So pretty much all the the check the checks you need to make on that sheet of, okay, this guy has potential to be a very good ACC player. You can really just watch him a few minutes and like, okay, he okay, he, he's there. Um, but I think also the fact that he didn't force things, you know, he just kind of, you played within the concept of the team, kind of learning the, uh, the offense, learning what Roy wants him to do. That, that speaks volumes too, because that's the opportunity for these kids in their first setting as UNC players to say, "Hey, I'm here, watch me," and yet he showed no signs of that um and so I think with with his his uh, talent and his skill set that it may not be the first or second game where he kind of shows what he can do he'll probably have good games early, but there's gonna come a game eventually in the first you know first ten or whatever where he's just gonna have a have that game he say all right There he is. That's little. And he kind of goes from there. So uh, I don't think there's any question that he's going to play a lot. I I think it's going to be fascinating uh, now that that Cam's healthy, how Roy uses this lineup, because I don't think there's any any doubt whatsoever that Roy wants to play with his traditional two-big lineup. But if you do that, that means you've got Cam and you've got Nas both at the three. And they can't both be on the court at the same time uh, you know, unless Kenny's off the floor or unless one of those bigs steps away. So that's going to be the, the most interesting part to watch, especially early in the season for me.
1: With uh, Nasir, I, one of the things that I think is going to be important for him and that he's going to bring to the Carolina, how many times last year watching UNC play? Did you say oh man that guy's not finish, strong enough to finish through contact or, or or oh he's not athletic enough to finish through contact. I think Nasir will, you know, uh basically take care of that by himself just because he's so strong and he's so athletic. I mean they they left a lot of points on the court last year just because they either couldn't finish layups over someone or they missed a dunk in traffic or they missed a layup in traffic with Kobe White and Nasir on on the roster. That's going to happen less frequently and um, he's going to get a lot of points just you know simply from be racing down the court and dunking i i i wouldn't be surprised if he got you know four to six points a game just on the fast break because north carolina's going to try and play that up tempo
3: rob what are what's realistic expectation numbers wise for a guy like little i mean we've seen um, freshmen across the country that just average ridiculous amounts it doesn't usually work that way for north carolina so real realistic numbers uh do you think from little this season i'm struggling with that a little bit and i've
0: been thinking about it because i think so much depends on whether they are able to play big which seems very clearly to be roy williams preference would be to go back to a more traditional big guy lineup if they do that that's going to limit his production somewhat i think for me i would i will sort of pivot on this question to efficiency I think that he has the potential to and needs to shoot over fifty percent from the field. He doesn't need to shoot sixty percent like you know, Brandon Wright or someone like that his freshman year had just a freakish, freakishly efficient field goal percentage. But I think he can shoot it around 50%. I think the way that he does that is not to fall in love with threes. And from that point of view, I think that he actually, at least early in the year, will be most effective being one of these. Uh, power what we would have in the old days called an undersized power forward nowadays we call it more of a hybrid sort of the jerry stackhouse role where he does a, a ton of damage along the baseline his freshman year he hardly hit any threes the sophomore year he did i think little just at the rate of his development probably will try to be more like the sophomore stackhouse but i think you'll see him get some of those dog baskets around the rim and i think shirell hit it right on the head these frustrations about people not finishing through traffic the team looking physically diminished when they played some of the opponents last year, like Michigan State and Texas A&M.
3: I think that he will be one of the prime guys to push back against that. It's funny you mentioned those two teams. Of course, Miles Bridges was on the court for the Hornets the other night and looked very impressive. And then uh, Robert Williams for the Celtics. That dude uh, destroyed North Carolina in the tournament last year, of course, for Texas A&M. Let's let's kind of float into uh, the returner discussion here. And as I hear you talk and as I hear Sherelle talk about Roy Williams' traditional lineups and all that kind of stuff, Greg, I think two people that we know without a doubt that will be on that floor probably 30, 35 minutes a night, Kenny Williams and Luke May. The rest we can talk about, but I think those are pretty solid bets to be the main guys, the the ones that you can count on being out there that much for North Carolina. What do you think, Greg?
2: Yeah, I think if you were to try to uh, kind of put something on the court that says, "Like right, this is Roy Williams, this is what Roy Williams is about," you're going to go with a guy like Kenny, who busts his tail, who's a good leader, who is you probably the the best defender on the team certainly was the best perimeter defender last year on the team. And then a guy like Luke may, um, you know, may, may not have the athleticism of a guy like Hansborough. Uh, but in terms of effort, it's, it's there. And there've been, you know, plenty of other guys like that over the years that have kind of busted their tail. Um, and I think that's, that's really what you, you think about when you think about Roy Williams, um, and so I think that's that's the unique dynamic. That's one of the reasons Roy seems to be genuinely happy about this team because you've got talent like we've talked about in the freshman class. Um, but if you just put talented freshmen out there, they're going to hit some adversity. There's going to be some tough games where if the shot's not falling. They kind of lose their way a little bit. They get rattled. I mean, that's, that's part of it. But if you've got some veterans kind of around those players, I can steady them and be like, look, it's all right. You're fine. Just follow my lead here. That goes a long way. And so I really think this is a, a neat blend of talent, but it does. It starts with with Kenny and um, and Luke and the fact that yeah, I think it's a neat component that those guys are best friends. They've been roomies forever. Uh, they came in as underrated recruits. And, you know, we did a story on them before last season. It was really after – I guess it's in the preseason, but they were talking about how, you know, when they arrived in Chapel Hill, they kind of made a pact that, Hey, we, we're going to, we're going to show that we belong. and that the recruiting rankings don't matter and they've done that. And so I, I think they obviously have more to prove. They want to show that they can go deeper in the tournament and all those kinds of things. Uh, but just having that, that veteran leadership is so key and when you add in the components of what they bring with Kenny and his, his shooting and, his defensive play, and Luke's all-around game and how he continues to get better. I think that's that's kind of the core foundation, regardless of what maybe some of the younger guys bring to the table.
3: Rob, we've seen teams close by Chapel Hill that have a bunch of freshmen, and they don't win a lot. But we've seen teams that have very talented freshmen but then have that upper-class leadership that have won championships down the road um and in Chapel Hill, your thoughts on the blend there that Roy Williams has. I mean this it's probably exactly what Roy Williams is looking like looking for, I think, um, when he constructs the team, and that's where I I think folks and maybe they're getting it now, especially after the seventeen championship. But Williams knows how to construct the team the way he likes it. And this seems pretty close to the way he likes it.
0: I think you're right with with a couple of concerns, and of course, every team has its concerns. I think in terms of the upperclassmen, underclassmen leadership, and that's spot on. The number one concern I have thought it was point guard. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. You know, back to our conversation about Kobe White, understanding the types of struggles that he'll have, you know, semi regularly. I think it's more of who's going to be the interior scorer because it's one thing for them to go back to a traditional lineup just because they have the size to do it and a little more experience to do it. And assuming that every, all the returnees have improved defensively, especially uh, Brooks and Manley. But historically it's not just that they were big. It's that they would design the offense around inside out play, meaning that someone could consistently score inside. And I'm still not convinced that that player exists. It Maybe Brooks will have, become that, maybe manly, but I'm still not sure. I, I think everyone will need to see that first before it really locks into place. And if it doesn't, he's going, Coach Williams has some very tough decisions to make because whatever they might sacrifice in terms of rebounding, potentially defense, although that can go either way, they might gain offensively if they were to play Johnson and Little side-by-side, for example, along with May, which I, I think does have its downside over the course of long of a long season. I think it's in that sense, I still think it's a little bit atypical of a team. But Sherelle, I'd be curious to get your thought on this, too.
1: Yeah, I think they'll go last year. It started off with um, that the small lineup kind of being the closing lineup. I think the lineup that most Carolina fans want to see, Kobe, Kenny, Cam, Nasir and Luke, I think that will show up as the closing lineup this year. But I don't think it will be used quite as much. as the small, small lineup was last year. And, uh, you know, we go back to this, me and Greg joked about it. Um, and when we did the post podcast, but I can just see Ro Williams on the bench, you know, in, in the locker room after the Texas A&M game saying, this will never happen to me again. Just, just fuming upset because, you know, he, he has a certain way he likes to play and he got beat by that certain way he likes to play. And that had to have been extremely frustrating for him. So, I think no matter what happens, he'll have those guys, especially Garrison and Sterling, ready to, you know, more ready to play um, than they did last year. And midway through the season last year, he kind of said, yeah, I need to get these guys ready because they're the future of our program. And uh, I think he'll have them ready to play. And, uh, you know, they'll be if they need to come in and do some things against teams that are bigger, then he'll have that. But I think you'll see that small lineup play a good amount especially in the second half
3: let's see we're on the same page and so greg i'm gonna follow it up with you roy williams is not playing traditional lineup all season not with the talent he has on the wings with this team i don't care what he says or what he thought after texas a and i'd be shocked if other than in situational uh games like a a team like texas a&m where he has to play the bigs as many bigs as possible to match up but Greg, I just think it's it's May in the middle, Johnson, Little, Kenny Williams, and Kobe White. I mean, that's – what what do they call it? The lineup of death or whatever, the death lineup last year. I think that's going to be the main lineup throughout the season, Greg. Tell, tell us why we're wrong since you're the one that made those comments about Coach Williams after that Texas A&M game last year.
2: I don't think – I don't think that's going to be the primary lineup. I I just don't see it. Um, I, I think Roy Williams, okay, this is what he does every year. We've seen it every single year, even last year. The first half of the season, he's going to force feed the two big lineup. And I think this year more than any other year, he's probably going to extend that further into ACC play than maybe he normally has if those guys haven't done what he wants. We know what he has at the four. I mean, he's he's got a legitimate option there with Luke May. He's an All-America there. But Sterling Manley or Huffman, I don't think it's going to be Huffman, or Garrison Brooks, so really Manley or or Huffman, one of those two has to make significant strides from a year ago. And we haven't talked a lot to Brooks. We have talked a good bit to Manley. He's saying all the right things. Uh, Last year, he was kind of deer-in-the-headlights type deal, even when you talk to him about you know, adapting to college life, doesn't seem to be that way anymore. Uh, and so I think you're going to see growth. But I think Roy is going to make sure that they give him a legitimate option so that he doesn't get to a game like A&M when it matters. And he's like, okay, now we're going to try to make this work. I don't, I, I don't question whether or not he's going to play a small lineup. I mean, he's done that for a number of years. Uh, he's no longer you, know, uh, so stubborn that he's not going to go with what's working best. And for a number of years, that, that's been a very good alternative secondary unit to have. But I'm going to have to see it to believe it that he's going to lean on that small lineup, game in and game out, without having a legitimate traditional big uh, lineup that he can count on. In those moments where the opponent has two strong bigs that UNC has to counter. Because if you don't have that, somebody can overpower you. Now, if somebody wants to go small and light you up, then you can adjust and put smaller guys out there and you're fine. But it's hard to counter in the moment against big, strong guys. You either have it or you don't. And so I, I really think that what happened with AM is going to stick with him. And I think you're going to see Manley most likely uh, is going to be the guy. And I'll say this about Manly. You know, if you've watched Kennedy Meeks, if you've watched Bryce Johnson, uh, you, you can go back to Salvador. I mean, there's so many guys over the years who you see them their first year or two and you're like, eh, I don't know. But by the time they get to be seniors, they're, really, they're either really good contributors or they're All-America types like Bryce Johnson was. I think Manley has the potential to follow that path. He may not be there this year, and I probably, you know, I doubt that he will be, but I think Roy's going to give him and Brooks enough opportunities that, to show how much growth they've made because, like I said, I, I don't see that small lineup being the go-to lineup game in and game out.
3: Rob, your thoughts on this? I mean, it's five guys on the court. There's 200 minutes. Uh, I don't see how Nasir Little doesn't get a ton of time. But we talked about it um, during his recruitment and after he signed <laughs> – I said, I will freely admit, I said, I didn't think he would start, Um, but your thoughts, the way this is trending, um, of course, we're still a a month out from the season. I, I agree. I
0: think with the general consensus that I like the way Greg put it, that there's this first half, second half dichotomy that tends to play out every year. I do think that the big lineup will be given every opportunity to succeed. I think from Roy Williams' perspective, unless the small lineup can rebound on a par with the big lineup, I think that's always going to be a, a big black mark against it in his eyes. Because if they, if they can't clear their defensive glass and they can't, to Shirell's earlier point, if they can't get out in the open court the way that they would like, if they, if they have two big guys who are consistently rebounding well. And then they can get into transition, that might be worth giving up something in the half court offense. Just the way that they do things. But I also agree with you. There's no question what the fans choice lineup will be. The one that intrigues me most is a small lineup. I think that lineup is it's definitely the most modern, although who knows how much ultimately matters. But I think it'll be fun to watch. And I think situationally, I think now he's comfortable enough with it that even early in the year. To close out a game, I think you they might get an extended stretch. I just don't think it will be the sort of thing like last year where it was it was almost like a, a very grudging concession that okay we just can't play the way I would like to play. And I think this year he's going to kick back hard against that.
1: Yeah, we're we're in the base baseball playoff season. I think this I think the small lineup will be Mariano Rivera. They will come in. You know, it'll be five minutes left, six minutes left, maybe maybe even another eight timeout you know, I think it'll probably be closer to the under four, but maybe the under eight and North Carolina will maybe have a three point lead and they'll extend it to 10 or North Carolina will be down eight and they'll take a four point lead or something like that. I think that's when he's going to, it's it's almost like a secret weapon to deploy. I think it's how he, you know, would like to use it because those guys <laughs> offensively are going to be so efficient that it's going to be very tempting. I think for um, fans and, you know, writers and metrics and analytics people to say, well, you know, if they're that efficient for eight minutes, you should play them for 40. And that is not seeing the long run. Uh, so I, I think you'll see the traditional lineup. And then at some point, you know, it kind of be like the bat signal <laughs> and Ed, Kobe, and Kenny, and Cam, Nasir, and Luke will go out there and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And North Carolina
3: will suck games away. Let me, uh, it's an interesting discussion. We'll talk about it for deep into the season, I'm sure, as those. Lineups and switch up. Let me take a short break, come back. I'm going to ask each of you maybe a player or something we haven't talked about, and there's a plenty. Uh, but let me get a short break and we'll be right back. Some
0: brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors, we do ands. The Renault Cajar with
1: 1.91% APR and 1,000 euro cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All
3: right, Sherelle, I'm going to stick with you um, coming out of the break. Give me a a topic or a theme or a player maybe we haven't discussed. And I know we haven't talked much about Leaky Black. I know we haven't talked a whole lot about um, any of the non-starters or the non-top six, but give me something that we've missed that uh we'll be talking about at the end of the season saying, Yeah, you remember when Sherelle mentioned that on the preseason podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um I I I'm super high in Kenny Williams. Um, just, you know, seeing him a few times over the summer um, and then hearing reports and watching him during the Bahamas uh, games, the highlights that uh, Inside Carolina posted, I just feel like his confidence is is sky high. We, you know, we've gotten that word from several people who have attended a couple of the practices. He seems to be uh, the guy who's taken over you know i think leadership is overrated in in traditional aspects but he seems to be the guy who's taken over um that you know he shot 40 percent from the from the three-point line last year and he went about seven or eight games where he was bad from the three-point line and he'll tell you that so i think you can see him creep up that average a little bit because of the spacing that he'll get from uh, some of the other guys on the court i just i just think he the I think he has a chance to have a really special year um, because everything is right there for him. If you read Greg's piece, Greg and Ben did a very long, thorough interview with him. He just seems like a a guy who was a kid and now has matured into a young man. And um, that's always nice to see Uh, the thing that I'm curious about as far as the roster and, you know, gameplay is, you know, Nasir and Kobe are the guys who seem like they can get their shot at any time they want. And the other three players, to some degree, are limited in that respect. The other three talking about Luke, Kenny, and Cam. So I'm curious to see, you know, if North Carolina is down six or something with a few minutes left, who's going to be the person to take over? You know, for the last four years, you knew Joel Berry was going to start hoisting threes, and you knew a few of them were going to go in. So who's going to be that guy uh, to kind of bring them back and will them to victory when they need it?
3: That's a great point there. Who's going to be the the go-to guy at the end of the game? Rob, your chance to make us all look uh, very prophetic come into the season. Uh, Your thoughts on maybe something we've missed.
0: I'm going to go with Brandon Robinson making a game-saving play in one of the first 20 games. So I know that's not that narrow, but I, here's why I say that, because I think this is a year where a very tough, uh, extremely scrapping-oriented kind of upperclassman wing player, I think unlike our convers- unlike Woods in our conversation about him, I think Robinson has embraced his role more heartily. He would like to be more of a scorer. You can tell that uh, the way he plays, but he has this sort of edge to him. And I think this is a year where that can pay off because they lost a lot of that. You know, that's, that's something that has to be replaced. I mean, Joel Berry and Theo Pence and those guys sort of make the in-between plays. I think Robinson is now a guy who will make in-between plays, which is something I typically do not associate with freshmen. I think that's very much an experience factor. So I think not that he's going to supplant any of the other people we've talked about, but I think this is a year, although I expect the stats still to be relatively minimal I think he will occasionally surprise and will have one decisive play in one of the first 20 games.
3: Interesting. That that would be something to watch for. Greg, uh your thoughts to close it out for us. I usually bring the stats and all the facts. Um so you're on the soapbox now. Tell us what we're missing going into the season.
2: Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of stats at this point in the season, <laughs> but I'll offer you two things, and one's kind of building off what Rob said. One thing I noticed down in the Caribbean is, I guess, that that first team that was pretty good, Roy Williams put a a perimeter lineup out there of Seventh Woods, Kenny Williams, and Brandon Robinson. And those three played the best perimeter defense of any of the pairings they put out there. And when you talk about Williams, we know how good he is defensively as a senior Seventh has, you know, he, he's a very good athlete. He's tough. He's thick, built like a football player. And then Robinson's put on some weight. He's got good athleticism, and kind of like Rob said, he's kind of he's kind of matured a little bit, and kind of taking on that role of you know, doing what what he's supposed to do, kind of filling his his particular role. It would not surprise me whatsoever to see Kobe out there making some uh, poor decisions defensively, like all freshmen do maybe Cam Johnson standing up too tall like he's prone to do, and Roy just sending that threesome out there to get some defensive stops. Um, I, I think we will see that. I think that's a good unit for that. He likes to kind of piece lineups together. Uh, but the, the name I'll mention, sticking with the perimeter guys, is, is Playtech, and I've been high on him uh, since since the Bahamas. And he was probably the guy, other than the freshman, that stood out more than anybody. And I, I think he's he's the... The prototypical Roy Williams guard, who by the time he's a senior, much like Kenny Williams, is going to be a guy that you can count on and knock down some big shots. He's going to be a good defender, good leader guy. Uh, and I, I think he's going to build toward that. But I think this year, because you know, there's going to be games where maybe seventh, uh, it's just not there. It's not working for him. Or maybe Kobe has an off game. So, So what do you do? Who do you bring in to kind of run the show possibly? Or to kind of keep things calm down, I think play tech can fill that role, and I think that's a valuable role to have, as to have a guy that can kind of come off the bench and provide some maturity and uh, be able to do a lot of different things. Pretty good. I mean, he's not a, a all-star caliber type player, but I think he's a heady player, and I, I think I think he can kind of fill that role. I, I do think Robinson kind of does the same thing in his own different way, uh, but but I think I think there's a lot of good options on the perimeter that we tend to overlook because you do have names like Little and, and Kobe, along with the returning guys and, and Cam and Kenny. Um, and we focus so much about the youth in the post, but but I think there are good pieces there with B-Rob and Playtech and even Seventh that can provide valuable minutes this year.
3: Good stuff from all three of you guys. I think chemistry will be big, and I, I think the loss of Barry and Pinson Outside of their actual play on the court, I think that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for me to see how this team blends together because it seems like Barry and Pinson were there. And gosh, I guess they were there for 100 plus games, but how that all works and how it gets going. And, and we've talked about it already. The season, the schedule is not kind um, early and how it all blends together, how the freshmen blend in. I think maybe the key, uh, you know, Kenny Williams, I think he's the key. He's the the glue or the straw that stirs the drink, for Daryl Strawberry reference, going way back. But I think he's the key, and, of course, May will play well. But it's going to be a fun season, I think, for people to watch. And I think they need to be a little patient early, maybe. Uh, we'll see. But Rob, Sherelle, Greg, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Always a pleasure to talk basketball with you guys. Uh, we'll do it again a plenty as the season progresses. But thanks for tonight.
0: Thank you.
1: Thanks, Have a good one.
2: Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get fifteen percent off your online order with the promo code Heels Fifteen. Go to
0: JerseyMikes.com/order now.